Chapter 22 I guess I expected him to run. But he didn't. He just stared at me, then at the others, then back at me. He was sitting in a beat-up little fishing boat with a small outboard motor. It suddenly occurred to me that he probably scared the killer whales off with his engine. I kept looking at him. He kept looking at me. I didn't know what to do, or what to say. So I waved and said, Hi, how's it going? He didn't say anything for a minute, just stared. Finally, he said, You some kind of spirit or something? I put my frozen hand on my frozen chest. A spirit? What makes you say that? I made a lame attempt at laughter. He grabbed his oar and paddled closer. He had a large, round face with slightly slanted black eyes and skin like well-worn boot leather. Inuit, I guessed. What, with this being the frozen north? In any case, I was pretty sure he wasn't French. He was wearing a weird combination of clothes. Pants made of fur, mittens made out of some other kind of fur, and a shabby, big blue parka that could have come from Eddie Bowers. You look cold, he said, when his boat had touched the edge of the ice. I didn't think animal spirits got cold. You want a blanket? He held up a huge piece of fur, dark gray and silver with light gray rings. The same kind of fur I had been in just two minutes ago. I took it and wrapped it around myself and under my feet while he drove a spike into the ice's edge, anchoring his boat. How about your friends? He asked. They animal spirits too? I guess so. He eyed me with more curiosity than fear, more interest than skepticism. He wasn't much older than I was. It seemed weird that a kid so young would be out all by himself in the middle of nowhere. Of course, I wasn't one to be calling anyone else weird. My grandfather used to talk about animal spirits all the time. I just thought he was crazy. He spun his finger around his ear in that universal gesture of insanity. But I always told him, yeah. That's right, Grandpa. "Uh Uh-huh, I said, covering my ears from the freezing wind. I mean, you never can tell, can you? He stared some more. Tell your friends I have more pelts. He has pelts, I yelled a little too loudly. How about if you guys all come on over and have some nice warm pelts? Not that I was worried. Not that I needed company. The others came closer. The guy began handing up sealskins out of his boat. They were piled high, but a number of them looked as if they'd been burned. Scorch marks parted the fur. Are you an eagle? He asked Tobias, peering curiously at him. A hawk, actually. A redtail. We're a very common species. Not around here. The birds around here don't talk. Then he focused intensely on Axe. What are you? I could almost hear everyone sigh in relief. If this guy was a controller, he would, 
A. Know an Andalite when he saw one. And B. Stay far, far away. I'm an Andalite. You a common species too? A joke. I decided to like the guy. Besides, anyone who could be this laid back about running into our little freak show had to be alright. That's a lot of sealskins, Cassie said, huddling within one herself. Yeah, a lot. Not so good though. All those burned ones barely worth hauling to the trading post. And anyway, they'll come off my quota. Bad. How did they get burned? Cassie asked, already knowing the answer as well as I did. Those crazy Star Trek men, shooting seals with phasers and all. Like those people are using them for target practice or something. They show no respect. Makes me mad. Star Trek guys? I said. Yeah, he replied. Then, Oh, I guess you animal spirits don't watch TV, huh? You need to get a satellite dish, spirit boy. The name's Marco. That's Jake, Rachel, Cassie, Tobias. He's the one with the wings. And Axe. Axe isn't from around here. Hi, I'm Derek. Derek? I don't know what I expected to hear, but it wasn't Derek. Are you all alone out here? Cassie asked. Yeah. How far away is your home? Tobias asked. Oh, always. He cocked his head toward the west. The kid was talking to a bird, but he didn't even flinch. Couple of days. A couple of days? Jake said. Sure, I go on hunts every year, he said. Since I was a kid. And you hunt seals? Cassie asked, her voice level. Yeah. Derek cocked his head. You don't like hunting? Well, not like the crazy Star Trek guys. Hunting for sport, like it's a game. Yeah, we get guys come up here for that. Up from New York and Detroit. Shoot bears and caribou from helicopters. No respect for nothing, those guys. Those guys at the station, though, they're the worst. They're just crazy for killing. He cocked his head. That must make you animal spirits mad. We... We never exactly said we were spirits, Jake said. No? So what are you then? He asked. Aliens? He's an alien, I said, pointing at Axe. The rest of us are just idiots. The guy smiled. His expression hardened. He didn't like not getting answers. You have something to do with that station they're building. With those big ice creatures. With the spaceships. I shot a look at Jake. He shrugged. Yeah, we have something to do with them, I said. Yeah, he answered. Well, I don't like them. What are they doing up there anyway? They aren't any of those ecology people that come up here sometimes. They aren't hunters either. They're making a mess in the water, scaring away everything with their noise and their weird guns. Who are they? Who are you? I guess you could say they're the bad guys, Jake said. And we're the good guys. We came to destroy that station. Sounds good to me, Derek replied, like it was no big deal. Like we just suggested a visit to the local 7-Eleven. I hope you do. I worry Nanook's gonna stick his big nose around there and end up getting it shot off or something. Nanook? Jake said. Who's Nanook? 
Nanook's my friend. You don't know Nanook? Uh, should we? I said. You must have seen him, he continued. He's been around here for the last few days. I've been following him. I like to watch him work. He's a very great hunter. Maybe we have seen him, Jake said puzzled. What does he look like? Well, he's pretty big, with white fur, he began. Oh, him! Great, the Inuit comic. Yeah, we've seen him. You've been hunting him? Rachel said. With that? She pointed at the rifle in the bottom of his boat, and his short spear. You're going to need more firepower. Not hunting him, tracking him. Nanook's my buddy, known him since I was a kid. Well, here's a really insane question, I said brightly. Do you think we could pet him? Chapter 23 We didn't have to go far to find Derek's friend, Nanook. We morphed back to seals, followed Derek's boat, and found the polar bear sprawled on the ice, on his back, lounging in the sun, like he was at the beach. Frankly, it annoyed me. How could any creature enjoy this place? We crawled up onto the ice, a few hundred yards away from the bear, and demorphed to human. I wish I could do that, Derek said, watching with interest as human faces appeared on seal bodies. We'd been careful to stay downwind of the bear. We'd been chased enough. The plan was simple. The kind of plan we come up with when we just can't think of anything smart or subtle. So you're just gonna go grab old Nanook? Derek asked skeptically. Yeah, why? Something strange about that? Something totally, absolutely insane about that? I asked. That is sarcasm! Axe helpfully explained to the Inuit. Yeah, Derek said. I thought maybe it was. I looked at Rachel. She and I had the fun part of this plan. She grinned her Xena grin. Okay, Marco, yes. Even I think this is insane. She was already morphing, growing huge-shouldered, with real spike claws and shaggy brown fur. I was morphing too, back to Gorilla, the only other morph we had that could help with this particular plan. Together, our little gaggle advanced on the polar bear. A grizzly, a gorilla, a bird, an alien, and two humans wrapped in seal pelts. Derek stayed behind. He didn't offer any explanation. None needed. He was sane. When you're the only sane one at the lunatic picnic, you don't have to explain. The polar bear abruptly rolled over. He's noticed you, Derek called out from his safe distance. Jake, Cassie, Axe, and Tobias all hung back. Rachel and I kept going forward. This whole thing would be killer on pay-per-view, I said. Extreme fighting! Two bears and King Kong! I go straight at him. You grab him from behind. Yep. Ready? Nope. Go! Rachel yelled. And we were off at a slipping, sliding, panicked, pants-wetting-if-I'd-had-pants run. Bear to bear! The polar bear didn't even flinch. Rachel dropped to all fours and slammed into the other bear's shoulder, brown on white. Boomf! <laughs> Raking claws, snapping jaws. The two bears were up on their hind legs now, 
swinging away like a pair of super heavyweights. Rachel was not winning. She wasn't losing, but she was also not winning. She shoved. The polar bear shoved back. Rachel landed on her back. It was a shocking sight. I hadn't thought there was anything strong enough to knock a grizzly down. I saw a spray of blood across the polar bear's white chest. Rachel's blood. I was in a loping run, trying to get around behind the big white monster. But the two bears were up again, on all fours, circling, circling, lunging. Wham! I could use some help here, Rachel yelled. The polar bear was a hair taller, maybe heavier too. On the other hand, he was just a bear, while Rachel was human. Well, at least her brain was human. The polar bear rose to its full height, ready to come crashing down on Rachel. That's when Rachel rolled into it. Not a bear move. The polar bear went down, tripping over Rachel to slam jaw first into the ice. Huh! Rachel yelled. No, I don't want your help, Marco. I'm taking this guy down myself. I considered it for a split second, but I was pretty sure Jake would not approve. I leapt forward and grabbed the polar bear's right arm. He shoved himself off Rachel and swung his arm to throw me off. He didn't throw me off, but he did fling me into a nearly flawless double axle. I kept my grip, but let me tell you something. Polar bears are strong. Gorillas are so strong they can rip saplings out of the ground. And this guy was stronger. I held his one arm and Rachel slammed directly into his belly, head first. The polar bear went and froze for just a second while he sucked wind. The second was enough. I grabbed his other arm, well, leg, actually, and pinned him in a sort of full Nelson. Rachel wrapped her own big paws around him, and together we wrestled Hulk frozen to the ice. Tobias swooped down out of the sky, complaining about there being no lift at all in this cold air, like that was the major drama. He sank talons into Derek's friend Nanook and began to acquire him while Rachel and I lay panting and counting our wounds. The bear went into the acquiring trance, and a few minutes later, we all had his DNA floating around inside us. We let the bear go and ran like ninnies back to the water's edge. That was cool, Derek said. This will make a great story for me to tell. No one will believe it, but it will be a great story. Nanook the polar bear went lumbering off, no doubt to tell some stories of his own. I could hear it now. No, seriously, a gorilla. I'm minding my own business, and suddenly, there's this gorilla. Chapter 24 We left Derek. He said there was a storm on the way. So we said goodbye and let him go tell whatever stories he wanted to tell. If he told a controller he'd seen humans morphing, it would be trouble but it occurred to us that an Inuit village in the middle of absolute nowhere was probably not high on the Yurk's list of places to take over. We had morphed the polar bear, giving Derek one last bizarre performance. Star Trek? Huh. He wouldn't be seeing this kind of thing on his satellite dish anytime soon. Now we were feeling pretty good, better than we had since arriving here in Popsicle World. We had THE morph for this place, Like being a tiger in the jungle, or a crocodile in a swamp, we owned this place now. Owned it! I've been a gorilla, 
I've been a rhinoceros. I've felt power before. But this was new. I stood nearly ten feet tall, reared up. I weighed maybe 1,500 pounds. And if those numbers don't mean anything to you, think about it this way. I was three feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal. I weighed five times as much as him. I could have dribbled Shaq the length of the court and stuffed him. I was mighty. I was seriously mighty. My front paws were a foot wide. Each had five webbed toes with long, black claws. My powerful front legs could have flipped over a pickup truck. And the cold? What cold? If the thick layer of blubber underneath my skin wasn't enough, my body had made other adaptations for warmth. My fur looked white, but it wasn't. It was transparent. Transparent and hollow. Every bristle was like a little greenhouse, turning sunlight into warmth, which was absorbed by my black skin. I could see just as well as I did as a human, maybe a little better. Far better than poor Rachel in her grizzly morph. My hearing was only average, but my sense of smell was awesome. I could smell seals all over the place. Not much else to smell when you think about it. The bare mind that lay just beneath my human consciousness was no bubbling stew of emotions, no panic, no fanatic hunger. Nanook was calm, completely without fear. What was there to fear? He could go for weeks without eating. Hunting was more about play than survival. He actually spent more time lounging around than he did looking for food. We sauntered back toward the Yurk base with the cockiness of Clint Eastward going into the town saloon. It was a long walk, punctuated by refreshing plunges into the icy water. We ended up having to demorph, of course, and that was no fun at all. But then, it was back to being lords of the ice. Guess Derek was right about the storm, Tobias said. The wind was pretty bad by the time we came in sight of the Yurk base. No new snow was falling, but the drifts were being whipped up and thrown around. Visibility was dropping fast. It may be helpful to us, Axe suggested. Jake was surveying the half mile of scenery ahead between us and the base. I'm thinking we approach from the water. Last direction they'd expect an attack to come from. The base came to within a hundred yards or so of the water at one point. It was a collection of corrugated steel buildings, an unattractive bunch of structures placed seemingly at random. There were vehicles, snowcats and big trucks and motorized cranes. Nothing alien to the casual observer. Unless you happen to notice the big silver Venber bending steel with their bare hands, as they built the main satellite dish. What do we do about them? Cassie wondered. Try and stay out of their way, Tobias suggested. How about afterward? Take them home and make them pets, I suggested. They are a unique species, Axe said. They may not be pure Venber, but I would dislike being the latest to exploit and destroy them. I said, You know, fearless leader, it occurs to me we're big tough bears and all, but just exactly how are we supposed to destroy that base? Maybe we better focus on that first. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. 
And uh, yeah, welcome to the penultimate episode of uh, this book. The Extreme, is that what this one's called? I can never remember the title of these books. I go by the number, you know me. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. We should be wrapping this up next week, which is pretty exciting. Um, And I got some messages now, including some late ones that I didn't see earlier, and I'm very sorry. This one isn't one of those, though. This one was sent through my uh, website contact form. That website is theapodcalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and this was sent in by Bryant, who says, Thank you for your podcast. My husband and I have been using the official audiobooks to listen to the series, but found you when looking for alternatives to the Megamorphs and Chronicles. You're a lifesaver. Hey, Bryant, thank you for writing in, and uh, no problem. Glad to be of service to you, because I know the official audiobooks, while they have finally overtaken me, haven't done those Chronicles and Megamorphs yet, so... Uh, if you want those, there's only one guy you can go to, and that's me. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, thank you for listening. Um, I also have an email that I just totally, my eyes glazed over this um, last week, so I apologize for not reading this sooner, but um, Josh writes in, says, and that email is, of course, audiomorphscast at gmail.com, but uh, Josh writes in saying, Hello, Daniel. I didn't mention this greeting of gratitude in my previous email, so I'll do it here. I absolutely love your readings. Your voice acting and sound work have gotten so good, especially in the previous episode. Uh, I have a small confession to make before my big message. I was born after the last book was published, and I've only seen a few physical copies of some of the books my sco- at my school, all out of order. I didn't read them because I was lazy. I learned about the overall plot of Animorphs through spoilers, but thanks to you, I am hearing the real deal. And it's all worth it. Thanks to you, I have access to this amazing relic from the 1990s that still holds up today. Maybe more or less in some areas, lol. For what you have done, I am extremely grateful. Uh, thank you so much, Josh. And then Josh goes on to detail a, um, a project that he was inspired by my project to start, which is very cool. Um, I, uh... I'm not going to read it on air. I'm going to let him announce it, I guess, Um, especially since it sounds like this is going to be a very extended years in the making sort of thing. Um, But it sounds very cool. Rooting for you, Josh. And I would um, I'd be so excited to see it when it's done. So definitely shoot it my way uh, whenever you finish it. Um, he does end up say, uh, and the, the part saying, I will for, I will be forever grateful for what you've done for the Animorphs experience. And I can't wait to present you with, uh, what I hope to be a benefit for the existence, popularity, cultural awareness, and love of this great story. My name is Josh, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. Thank you so much for writing in, Josh. Uh, I'm so glad that, uh, you're really enjoying this, uh, podcast audio experience thing that we're doing here um and it's super cool that i've inspired you to do something i think everyone should um do a creative project you know um it doesn't have to be good it doesn't even have to be shared with someone but i think it's like good as a human being to create in some capacity so um if you were looking for a sign to get started on that project you've been thinking about this is it go do that Thank you so much for writing in, Josh. I really appreciate it. And this last one, I honestly cannot remember if I read this out on air yet. 
I might have forgotten, so I'm just going to read it out again. This one came in from Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. We've hit all the all the ways you can contact me this week. It's a it's a hat trick. But this is from um, an Edney uh, who wrote in and said, I'm on the first episode of The Solution. I'm crying. Great show, though, with a thumbs up emoji. Thank you. Um, yeah, Solution's super intense. Um, that whole little run, um, the David trilogy plus the next two books are all like pretty dark. Um, but like, wow, what a, what just a, what a great run, man. You're, I, I felt like I was on the edge of my seat for months doing all of that. That was crazy. Uh, thank you so much for writing in. Really appreciate it. Thank you for everyone who's been listening. Um, and that's all I have this week. I've already mentioned all the ways you can get in touch with me, but real briefly, that is once again through my website, theapodcalypse.com, on Gmail, that's audiomorphscast.gmail.com. Sorry, got that one flipped. That's audiomorphscast.gmail.com, and then Tumblr is audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Um, and if you use uh, Apple Podcasts, won't leave me a rating review. Really, if you use anything that has a rating review, I guess, you can leave one. I only really check the... Uh, Apple ones, and I don't know why, because I don't use Apple prod- uh, products in my life. I have an Android phone, but um, yeah, you know what? Hmm. That's something I'm going to have to sit with in myself and figure out why. <laughs> um, all right, I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you all for listening. Um, be on the lookout next week for the final episode, and then, of course, the Mega Cut after that. And see you on the next one. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>